You're listening to Draft Chat. Episode 7. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Draft Chaff Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Ben. What's up, Ben? Oh, you know, not that much. Uh, just surviving the tropical storm that blew through our area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, we're, like, in the east coast of, of America, and uh, there's a pretty massive... Uh, well, it was a hurricane turned to tropical storm by the time it got to us, but yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah, it uh, it was problematic for a few reasons, but we'll get into that later. Sure. So um, before we really just jump into things, uh, we just want to plug the Patreon a little bit. You can access that at patreon.com slash draftchaffpod. We're trying to um, vamp that up and make it pretty enticing. So uh, give that a look. If it's not your thing, that's cool. Uh, the, the podcast is always going to be free, but you know, if you feel like supporting us, go ahead and give that a look. You know, I was thinking for our Patreon, we could even do, do like some kind of giveaways of, um, you know, the, the cards everyone really wants for standard. I'm thinking like, uh, to fairy the, the, the three to three fairy, you know, and, uh, maybe something like a wilderness reclamation. That's really popular right now too. Um, everyone loves cat oven combo. We could start giving away some stuff like that, you know? Hey, um, Ben, yeah. Uh, I don't want to like burst your bubble or anything, but um, all those cards have been banned in standard, and three fairies been banned across the board, like pretty much. Every <laughs> format. Uh, yeah, yeah. I totally knew that. <laughs> so you sold all yours out before that happened, right? All right, let's okay, let's I move on to the cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do some finance. No, actually, uh, I I am very well aware of the bands. In fact, before this podcast, before we were recording, before you called, I was in arena attempting to build Obzon midrange for standard. I need to make it work. I saw you tweet about that. Something involving a dumpster fire. <laughs> well, if you put enough scavenging oozes and planeswalkers in a deck, it, it would it's got to be able to win some games, right? Reed Duke would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm trying it out. Uh, Seraph of the Scales, that's still in standard. Uh, I might try to mask her worm top end, and I don't know. It, it's going to be a mess, but it's going to be my mess, and that's what matters. Well, good luck with that. Uh, let's let's go ahead on to this uh, crack a draft. Uh, what's the pick type thing we got here? It looks like we're in the middle of a draft, so go ahead and walk me through it. Yeah, so I actually was doing this draft a little earlier today. This is Dominaria, which we know all, all know and love. I remember last week I said one of the things I was looking forward to most was Moldrotha. And uh, it just so happens that in this pack two, pick one, so I've gone through one pack already, the rare we opened is Moldrotha, the Gravetide. Now, I want to talk about the pack that I already had. Pack one, I pack one, picked one to Evra, Halcyon Witness. I actually had a really close... Uh, call between that and Time of Ice. Time of Ice was probably correct to give me like a higher win percentage EV, but I just felt like having some fun. I wanted to take Evra. Uh, I ended up not really getting many other white cards. I picked up uh, some good blue and black stuff. I picked up uh, Rona, Disciple of Gix, the signpost uncommon, one of my all-time favorites in this format. Some stuff like Deathbloom, Thalid, Caligo Skimwish, Soul Salvage, Cabal Paladin, Yargle, Blink of an Eye. Um, and then some other random chaff here and there. So I'm in kind of like an Esper good stuff. 
But then, like I mentioned, pack two, pick one, I opened a Moldrotha. Uh, other card that I could consider is Knight of Grace, the two mana, two, two, first strike knight that gets one O if you have a black permanent, or if anyone has a black permanent. Um, not much else in this pack besides that. There's some decent commons, Thalid Omnivore and Death Bloom Thalid in black, and Dark Bargain as well. And then um, nothing else really. The only blue card in here is a, uh, oh, what's that thing? It's Hammered Explorer. Yeah. yeah. And then some mediocre white cards, uh, Sergeant at Arms and uh, the Elephant, whatever that thing is. Jarvis Familiar is an uncommon too, but the colorless uncommon, so I could consider it, but not. And then some mediocre red cards and, uh, and green cards. So what are you thinking here? Okay, so uh, I immediately, like, ignoring the rare for a minute, um, I kind of want to try to see if the colorless card works. So I would be thinking, um, I mean, I'm not high on Joyer's Familiar in the first place. So in this case, uh, it's kind of a bad example of this. But when I see something like this in a pack, I'm going to try to... Uh, fit the colorless card into my deck in my head so I can see if that's going to fit uh, down the road because it's the safest pick if you're not wasting uh, color picks. Although at this point, you're kind of locked into your colors. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Jordan's Familiar, not a great card in, to begin with. And you do have a little bit... I mean, if you are going to play the Evra, you've got, looks like, three different legendary creatures at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. So you have some f value off of the Jordan's Familiar? Um, still yeah, not really not looking not to take it. Um, mm -hmm. I guess next, again, ignoring the rare, uh, you're not really locked into white, and uh, given the cards you picked up and that Evra was, was your first pick, I'm inclined to say that white was pretty cut off in the first pack. For sure, yeah. Uh, which means you might get some white your way this pack, but then third pack you're going to be cut off of white again, most likely. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of trying to lean away from white, which keeps me off of Knight of Grace, even though I do think it's the best non-rare in the pack. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Deathbloom Palette is close, but I do think it's worse. I agree. Um, honestly, I mean, it, it's hard for me to say I would just snatch the, the Moldrotha up immediately because I don't know how much green you saw in the first pack, and I'd kind of want to get a good idea of whether or not you can expect to see green in pack three. Was that was yeah. that something you were thinking about? It was, and I wasn't seeing much green in pack one. Uh, I did see a kind of late Lanor elf, but that was it. Nothing good, like a no, no like Bayloth Gorgers or uh, anything else significant like that. I don't know. I think I have Lanor elves at like number one or number two green common in the format. So a late Lanor elves would be a decent signal to me. Um, yeah, that's true. It's possible that uh, no other green cards were opened. I, I, when I saw that, I kind of was just thinking, like, because I hadn't seen green cards in any other of the packs around it. I, so see. I guess my thought process was, like, whoever this was, maybe they took, like, a Yavimaya Sapherd, which is my top green common pick. So maybe the person to my right simply shared my ranking system. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, no, yeah, but, uh, I think I think ultimately I'm gonna, I am going to just slam Moldrotha here. It's not much of a splash because you're already in black and blue yeah um mm -hmm. and again you're not married to blue really you have two blue cards um but you're yeah, certainly not married to white either like your blue cards are better than your white cards so i'd be looking mm -hmm. to, to grab moldrotha here and see if you can't support it 
Yeah, that was exactly it. So, so like I mentioned, pack one, I had Rona, Cabal Paladin, and I had a Soul Salvage, most importantly, which works super well with Moldrotha because let's say you, you start drafting some self-mill strategies to get it into the graveyard, well, then you can Soul Salvage it back and then Soul Salvage back everything else in the graveyard. Um, it ended up being my pick here. I did slam the Moldrotha. I can't resist. I cut the white cards and started picking up some green stuff here and there. I got a few ramp cards in green, and uh, pack three, I ended up opening a slime foot and a fungal plot in the same pack one, or sorry, pack three. Uh, and I took slime foot and ended up wheeling fungal plots. Oh, wow. So this turned into a disgusting soul tie deck. Oh, that's awesome. I hope it did. Did you play the games yet or? Uh, I, I did. I played a few of them. I actually played the first one and I lost to Lyra Dawnbringer. Uh, yeah. In a very close game, I ended up having a. <laughs> I actually had, what was it, Blood Tallow Candle, which I picked up kind of late. Works very well with Moldrotha, obviously. You can recast artifacts once a turn from a graveyard. So that becomes seven mana once a turn, kill a creature, which is great. Yeah. In a slow format good. like this. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I ended up doing exactly that. I, I bought back a previously used Blood Tallow Candle. I tried to take out their Lyra, and my opponent was playing, it was almost like mono brown with, with some planes. It was kind of weird. Uh, they had like Howling Golem and uh, like Jorah's Familiars and things like that, and then some Pegasus Coursers. It was a, it was a weird deck. Um, but you know what they ended up playing? Charge. One mm -hmm. white instant gives all your creatures plus one plus one. All they had on board was a, a Lyra, <laughs> and, but that was enough to save it. I didn't have a, a fungal infection or anything in hand. I'd already spent it. So um, I did end up dying to their Baneslayer Angel, as one does in Limited. Oof. Well, um, yeah, that happens. Can't, it's fine. You know, I, I've still sometimes got you lose the mythics. For, yeah, it, it, it's whatever. Their mythic out trumped my mythic this time around, but I'm planning on firing a lot more Dom drafts before it goes away anyway. Nice, nice. And we have uh, Amonkhet Remastered to look forward to, and for the listeners, um, keep an eye out for that. We're going to be having a full format breakdown on that. Uh, when, that's right. I guess next week or so, yeah? Yeah, that's coming up. I, I'm very excited for Amonkhet. Some of my favorite flavor in the, the Magic universe. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Alright, that uh, that brings us to our Teferi Tibalt segment. Uh, ben, do you want to kick us off with that? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going to start with my Tibalt. It was definitely definitely a, a an interesting week. So I actually moved into a new apartment uh, up in the north side of New Jersey, where we are from, and uh, all of the things that are associated with moving into a new apartment, such as you know getting your internet turned on and making sure you're paying electricity properly and all that fun stuff, I had to deal with all that. Uh, I didn't end up getting my internet turned on for a few days after I moved in, so I was kind of just sitting around. Obviously not playing Magic or doing anything else. Um, I was supposed to get it installed the, uh, the day after the storm. I was supposed to get it installed Wednesday morning. Tuesday, there was the hurricane or mm -hmm. tropical storm, whatever it was. And I was, uh, I, I, I was up in my apartment for it. It passed. It wasn't that bad up there. So it was, you know, knock down trees and stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It turned out later in the day. I heard this big buzzing and then like some popping sounds. And I look outside my window 
and the ground is on fire Wait, outside what? my apartment window. Yeah. So <laughs> the grass is just on fire. I was actually, I was on the phone with a friend and I was like, hold on, I got to call you back. I'm, I'm going to call the police and the fire department. What did it get struck by lightning? No, no, it was a, a wire that ended up coming down. So oh. from, from what I gathered, a, a tree came down on uh, some wiring and broke the wires. And then these live wires are just dancing all over the place, lighting grass on fire indiscriminately. So uh, it just so happens that those wires were the ones, you know, powering my apartment. So my whole side of the apartment complex lost power. And as of this morning, we did not get it back on yet. I ended up leaving and and going home home for the time being. So my my tip for the week is that I had this beautiful new PC set up. I, I had the brand new microphone that I was planning on using this week. Hopefully next week I'll get to use it. And uh, this great big desk with all my monitors set up and everything. And then I got no internet and no power for <laughs> several oh, days. So man. Yeah, that's daggers. I, I can't I can't stand getting like a nice new tech toy and not being able to use it. Oh yeah, I literally have everything plugged in and it's just and then it, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, um, my my Teferi for the week was that I do have this this cool fun new setup, and I'm I'm getting very excited to be able to use it when I do have power back eventually. And I wanted to have a little bit of magic involvement this week. Uh, so some people may know that um, the VIP editions came out for M21, and I, I've started to lose track of all the different products that are just getting pumped out so quickly. And I leave their analysis to you know, the capable hands of the professor and uh, Saffron Olive and such. But um, when when Wizards Prince foil full art scavenging uses, I'm going to snap those up immediately, especially when they're only $5 each. So uh, <laughs> my Teferi for the week is that I've got a couple foil full art scavenging uses in the mail. Well, that's awesome. At least they didn't get destroyed in the hurricane. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. They're going straight into my modern list. Nice. How about uh, you? Yeah, so for me, um, my Teferi is actually something I can't talk about too much yet. Uh, hopefully more to come mm-hmm. soon. But we have some fun things planned and potentially incoming for the podcast. So stay tuned about those. Um, but yeah, this week was kind of full of some new fun advancements. So um, that's pretty sweet. We'll, we'll hopefully get to say more about that next week. But um, stay tuned. I'm actually going to spoil it right now. Nope. Luis Scott Vargas nope. is joining us don't, third uh, don't, don't do that. Oh my gosh. Don't do that. That's honestly, cause that's like, that's like, I just felt like Marshall where like LSV's like, this is the episode where I'm going to say I'm leaving. Oh, and, I, I, I couldn't oh pull that. I'm, 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 I don't have the power in me, but it was like the Maybe opposite feeling them. for me. Cause I'm, I know that's not happening and I'm just like, stop. Why? Anyway, hey, maybe one of them is a guest on someday. That, that would be, be awesome. That would be really cool. Um, my Tybalt for the week is uh, the well, there was a hurricane that tore its way up the, the East Coast. Um, and actually, yeah. I, I, last number I saw was 13, but I, it, it might have been, been more than that. Apparently, it caused upwards of 13 tornadoes across its path along the coast. And wow, one of yeah. those tornadoes actually tore through our hometown. And for those who are listening who don't know, Ben and I grew up together, so we're from mm-hmm. the same town. Um, but a tornado actually tore through like a block and a half from where my dad lives and yeah, just true. destroyed like ton- his house is okay and, and his neighbors were okay. But 
Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's, apparently, it's the first tornado that that area has had in 50 years. Wow. I, I believe it. Like, it's usually pretty calm down here. Yeah, I mean, we get the occasional hurricane and stuff. Like, Sandy rocked us pretty hard, but... But this wasn't, this was, this was one of the, actually, that's right. I, I didn't even realize how close to your house that is. It, it struck up by the, um, by the graveyard, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel a little bad thinking it, but, uh, you know, you know, Sharknado. Oh my gosh. Was it a <laughs> shark, ty- shark typhoon? Skeletonado. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, yeah, let's, let's get into the main t- topic for today. Today is all about cube. We're, we're doing a little bit of a one-on-one crash course on, on cube building. Um, for those who listened to our, I believe it was the draft chaff episode. We, our sign off was discussing the potential for building a, a draft chaff only cube. Um, and so we're kind of taking this episode to talk ourselves through the archetypes that go into a cube. Um, make some decisions on that but i figured it'd be kind of cool to bring you guys along with us um cube can be kind of intimidating and especially building a cube there's so many cards to choose from uh, we figured it might be cool for for some of you who are on the fence about it or have never heard about cube or um, don't know anything about building a cube this this could be a good uh entry point for that so yeah and uh, this oh, is new for us too right like i've never built a cube before no me neither um i think you know it's not even fair to say this is even close to the same thing, but the closest I've gotten to building a cube is like building commander decks, you know, like you're collating Mm -hmm. a lot of cards together and you have a massive pool of cards, but you don't have to worry about a draft experience or anything. So, um, yeah, that's true. I've always kind of had an interest in the, the, the under like underlying design aspects of limited. And as we've gotten better at the game, I've definitely noticed, uh, limited, you know, recurring themes here and there. Like, uh, I know I enjoy sets where those that listen to the, the draft chaff episode uh, would know I, I love limited sets where there's something like Farfinder or Skittering Surveyor because it lets you do more of the things you want to. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is a nice recurring thing. So now when I see a new set spoiled, I look for something like that to, mm-hmm. c- to kind of analyze the draft environment. So I think now it's taking that, those, those kind of heuristics and mental notes we've been taking through all of our limited experience and now kind of throwing them back out into the world and seeing if we can make something new with this. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Um, today we're just going to talk about archetypes and, and selecting archetypes for a new cube. Um, and hopefully if, if this episode is a, a bit of a hit, we'll, um, be back with more, um, building a cube style episodes in the future. Mm-hmm. But first things first, what is a cube? Uh, some of you may not know what, what cube even is and are just completely confused about what we're talking about. So, uh, we're going to walk through a couple of, uh, the sort of staples of what makes a cube a cube. Um, and Mm -hmm. then, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So, So, uh, as far as I know, it has more sides than say like a triangle, but less sides than say an octahedron. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. For a long time, I never knew what cube was when I was first getting in the game. I kind of tangentially knew about it, and I was always too scared to ask. I, oh, me I too. did always picture a physical cube in my head. I had literally no idea. And even to this day, I don't know why it's called cube. Uh, but I obviously do know what it is now, but uh, you know, I started playing Magic back at M10 and I it That's I didn't find out question. what I didn't find out what cube was until like 
a handful of years ago, honestly. Yeah, I also have no idea. Well, while Ben's looking gonna, into that... Yeah, um, I'm going to Google it real quick. <laughs> we have the the power of the internet. Yeah, so I'll, I'll quickly, quick, quickly walk you guys through uh, what a cube even is. So a cube draft is a casual, limited format where players draft cards from a collated set of cards called a cube. So the cube itself is essentially a set of cards. Um, you can think about it like M21 or any other magic set that's ever been released. They usually consist of at least 360 different cards, uh, but they can be upwards of 720 plus. Um, 360 is generally the minimum for a cube. Um, they can include any cards that the cube builder decides are worthy to be put in the cube in the first place. And once the cube has been built, it's then used for drafting. Typically, players will build a makeshift booster pack of uh, multiple makeshift booster packs of 15 randomly selected cards from the cube, and then you run a regular style booster draft. Um, so you'll you'll put this set of cards together, whichever cards you deem worthy to put in the cube. You'll package them up into packs and then sit around a draft table and draft them out with your friends. So this is this is pretty different than a normal format in that um, there's not really rarity in a sense. Everything is kind of a, a singleton in a singleton cube, at least like this. Everything right. is kind of its own thing. So you could open a pack that would have, you know, maybe uh, several things that would be considered rarity level rare or uncommon or common or something like that. But they all just kind of get mixed up and, and put in the packs. So also, I, I did a quick little little bit of research here. Uh, according to Morrow uh, on his blogatog. Someone had asked him, why is it called cube? What's cubicle about it? And he responded, I believe the first cube was kept in a box that was a cube. Uh. And then on another Reddit post, I, uh, I, I see some general posts saying things like uh, some of the first people that like, created cubes looks like uh, people from Star City Games. They apparently had it in a cube, but also they don't remember cert for certain why they called it the cube. So if the creators of Cube don't even remember why it's called Cube, then <laughs> I don't know how much luck we're going to have. Well, hey, there's an entirely dedicated Cube podcast. I believe it's called Cube Cats. Uh, I've seen a lot of their stuff on, hmm. on Twitter. Um, so if you guys are more interested in Cube, because we're not necessarily a Cube podcast, but it is a limited format, so we'll talk about it from time to time. Um, but if you're interested yeah. in like entirely Cube content, check them out. Uh, they seem pretty cool. I've interacted with them a little bit on Twitter. Um, maybe they know. But anyway... Yeah. Um, we know building a cube can be pretty difficult. It can be pretty daunting for people who have never done it, but it should be pretty fun. And we're going to kind of dip our toes into it a little bit here. Um, so mostly, like I said, we're going to discuss the, the different archetypes that you can find in a given cube and try to hopefully by the end of the episode, come up with two main color, ar the, the main two color archetypes um, that we want to see in our draft chaff cube. Um, now we're calling it the draft chaff cube, not only because of the podcast, but also because we have a few stipulations we want to add to, uh, to the cube. So Ben, why don't you walk us through those? Sure. So, I mean, the name kind of gives it away. The theme is draft chaff only. Like this is the, the, the ultimate like cutoff point. If it's not draft chaff, it's not going to get in. Uh, so this is going to be stuff that never really found a home and constructed, um, cards that you, you tend to see as draft chaff which if you want to know what that is uh you could go listen to our our episode on that but a, a brief summary is that it, it's cards with not very uh not super unique effects uh like it's it's effects that are kind of more common uh, things that are replaceable it's not something like 
Emrakul, the promised end, which has a super unique effect. And it's not something that everyone wants. It's not stuff that's high in demand. Not um, standard playables or commander staples or things like that. So this is going to be cards that never really had their chance to shine in the spotlight. We want to give them the chance to shine. And also, we want some other things too. So we want synergy. Uh, you know, this this lets the drafter pay attention to signals and draft like a full deck instead of just a pile of decent cards and made up of taking the best uh, pick out of each pack. We, we want the drafter to have some kind of thought behind it. Um, we mentioned a little bit before that this is going to be 360 cards and singleton. And we wanted to have, you know, a general format sense to it. We wanted to have some aggressive decks, some controlling decks, some mid-range decks, and some combo decks. And... Uh, while there are going to be several major archetypes, we want to have some cool anchor cards for those uh, those archetypes, so that you know, and and for other similar ones too, things that'll work well in multiple archetypes at once. So for example, I've had my eye on like stuff like red white equipment, maybe. So if we put in say a, a strong red white equipment, maybe there's a blue black artifact deck that could also use that same equipment. It wouldn't be clear that it has to go into one or the other, but it would also guarantee that the drafter doesn't just look at the packs and say, well, this card has to go here, this card has to go here. We want this to be more like an experience and less than a puzzle. So that also kind of gets into cross-pollination. So this uh, you know, allows the draft to be a little more fluid. This includes cards that would fit well into uh, multiple synergies and have different little corner case applications that the drafters get to figure out on their own. Uh, general archetypes and general mechanics, things like cycling and madness, I found tend to work really well for this in other draft sets. And um, I think last but not least, we want this to be pretty, pretty shenanigans. We want this to have some fun in it. So uh, if, as you're listening to this, you hear us miss something or, or you think of something cool, please tweet at us, tell us. Because we want this to be, you know, community driven too. We want to get your feedback and your thoughts on what we could do to make this fun. So that's why we're doing this. We want to make something that, like Zach and I, could sit down with our friends and and realistically do, and then you could sit down with your friends and also realistically do. Plus, if it's a uh, if it's three hundred sixty cards and most of them are chaff, you're looking at what maybe like a forty dollar cube. Hopefully, I mean, it would be really awesome if we could keep it under fifty bucks. Uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, they're all chaff, so most of the cards in the in the cube might be like ten cent cards. Who know, Who knows? Um, that would be sweet. As as Ben mentioned, though, we we want this to be kind of a community driven effort as well. Um, we're going to be continually making updates to it uh, and, and developing it ourselves. But we'd love to get your guys' feedback and uh, thoughts and make this kind of uh, a draft chaff community cube. Um, so to kind of go along with that, we're building the cube through an awesome site called Cube Cobra. Shout out to those guys as well. Um, they also have a Patreon and stuff, so uh, give them some love if that's your uh, your cup of tea. But um, we're we're hosting the cube there, we're tracking the cube there, and you can actually follow along with us, check the cube out, play test it, and everything. Um, on that site, we have the link to our particular cube in the show notes, so give those a look um, to 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 grab a look at that. All right, so let's move into these archetypes. There are multitudes of potential archetypes that can make any given cube. Uh-huh. And there's an amazing article on MTG Salvation. Link to that is also in the show notes where um, a particular user there, his username is his or her or their uh, 
username is ridiculously long, so I'm not going to read it here. We're going to. Yes, we are. Oh, We're going to oh. shout out user one two five nine six seven six six. Oh, it actually wasn't yeah. as long as I thought it was, but yeah, it's just a bunch of numbers. But anyway, that user. Shout out to them for this. Yeah, that user put together an amazing comprehensive list of cube archetypes. Now, the post came out in 2013, so at this point it's seven years old, but the information is still incredibly relevant. Um, we There are about 35 archetypes in that article. We combed through them and picked out kind of our individual standouts. Um, some of them we overlapped on and some we didn't. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about those, try to come to a decision on which we'd like to really see in the, in the cube, and uh, we'll go from there. So... Uh, yeah. How do you want to start this off? Do you want to talk about your first standout and we'll go that way? Yeah. Let's just start talking about the ones that we enjoyed. And then from there, we'll just kind of bounce back and forth and see what other ideas we have for different archetypes. Sounds good. So I mentioned just now artifacts, specifically equipment. Now, Double Masters just came out. I haven't had the chance to fire one of those yet. I, I think I might try to do that later tonight and see how it goes. It's kind of like an equipment and artifacts master set almost, um, like a Mirrodin revamp. It, it's got some very sweet synergies. And that got me thinking, well, uh, in addition to some of the older artifact theme sets, equipment are just kind of fun. They don't have the same drawbacks as auras or things like that. And uh, I've seen them be homed pretty well in red-white in something like Zendikar of, of the path. The core, specifically, often have artifacts energies. So I was thinking, what if we had some kind of red-white equipment, maybe artifact deck uh, that has a little bit more of an aggressive slant? Because I know for a fact that none of those cards ever saw play anywhere. <laughs> yeah, there are plenty of equipment that are definitely chaff. Um mm-hmm. So that that's definitely some some approach we could take. I do like the artifact sub theme idea, but I'm more of a fan of like artifacts as artifacts rather than specifically equipment. Um, I agree though. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna if we're gonna do the equipment thing, red white is probably where we want to be with that. Um, I just want to put bone saw in the cube. That's every that's time I hear that card's name, I think of the the line bone from saw from, is it, ready. Bone saw is ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't unsee so that plus like old cards like Stonehaven Outfitter and all that nonsense. Those those are trash. Those would fit right in home here. Yeah, they're also uh, I think there are two things that we really need to heavily factor into our choices on these archetypes. One mm-hmm. of them is enhanceability. What are the what's the likelihood that this archetype is going to get further supported in the future so we can cycle cards out of the cube and bring new cards in? Mm, yeah, that'd be cool. Equipment's definitely one of them. They print equipment in almost every set. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, level of shenanigans, let's say, or like chaffiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to pick an archetype like, you know, twin combo or something where the main cards in the archetype can't be put in the deck, be- in the cube, because they're not chaff. Yeah, yeah. Let me just quickly delete twin from this. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I, it actually did cross my mind, but I figured twin probably wouldn't work because none of that is chaff, of course. But actually, hear me out. I have an idea for something that's kind of like twin. Uh, isn't there an instant that lets you equip a, uh, a, a, a an artifact, like an equipment at, at instant speed to a creature? Isn't that a thing? Mm, honestly, I, I can't recall. I think there's a few effects like that. Um, 
And then you could play something like Colossus Hammer, which has a stupid equip cost of like nine or ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. That that's that's basically twin. Yeah, I mean we we could try to we could actually try like a build your own twin, a chaff twin that doesn't actually use twin or deceiver exarch or anything. Just I like mean, two card combos. Something to explore. Actually, I think I think having at least one might be cool, but we don't want to have too many archetypes that are dedicated to these like two or three card combos because if one of those cards gets snatched up then like the deck falls apart. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I was thinking about um some other potential i have an idea for a twin type of deck but um i'll let you talk more about artifacts if you have anything else to say about it my my bigger focus for artifacts would be like you said kind of a blue black deck so maybe we can do both uh have like a light artifact sub theme in blue uh Mm -hmm. to to kind of supplement the red white uh archetype maybe a bit um yeah I'm, i'm cool with red white doing doing the aggressive uh like equipment type thing that that sounds that sounds fine yeah, maybe blue could have um, some lighter artifact synergies. Maybe Sailor of Means to make treasures or something like that. Yeah, that could be cool. So next up, we have Morph, which uh, isn't super high on the enhanceability side of things. They don't print Morph cards very frequently, <laughs> but it's not one really, of the no. more fun, ar- uh, not archetypes, mechanics that I've seen printed in my tenure as a Magic player. Um, mm-hmm. I think the whole not really knowing which card your opponent played, but it's some subset of different cards. And in a cube format, if you don't know the cube, it could be literally any morph card ever printed. So, I mean, we have some stipulations, so maybe not. But um, <laughs> Any bad morph card. It's not going to be like a Death Mist Raptor or something. Yeah, or Den Protector. Yeah. Um, I actually also had Morph on my list um, because Tarkir printed a bunch of Morph support and Manifest as well. So maybe green or blue could be the uh, face-down type creature decks. But also from older Magic sets too, Morph has been a mechanic for ages. So mm-hmm. imagine that you know, you're expecting to have some Tarkir relatively balanced card get flipped up and then you get some old thing that you've got no idea what it is and your opponent cackling maniacally because you don't know their secret plans uh, th- that could be a fun type of uh, archetype to have yeah one question i have is are we considering lower scale coatl draft chaff hmm i mean it is a decently unique effect so that that leans me to say no but is also it no, all it, it, it cares about is drawing cards and yeah exactly Lower scale quad doesn't really fit the whole face down theme, though. No, well, my my reason for asking was if lower scale quadle is is considered chaff by our standards, green blue has to be card draw, and lower scale well, quadle needs to be in the in the cube. Because hmm. we, we both have pet cards who want it to be in it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. We should totally include our own little uh, like personal pet cards for sure. Honestly, even if green blue was uh, morph, I we could still toss in lower scale for you. Well, so here's the question: I think um, is morph big enough to be its own archetype, or can it just be a sub theme in the cube uh, where we have mm. morph cards in it, and that's fine? Because none of the morph cards need to synergize with each other. If you have one morph card in the cube, it's not going to be unplayable. Yeah, that that's true. It, it would actually help if we say um, in vintage cube where there's 
I think only two or three morph cards. There's like Den Protector, and then uh, maybe one or two others. I, I forget. I'd never play them anyway. So um, it would be kind of interesting if, if there's there just a handful of morph cards, maybe one or two in each color, and then that somehow supported it. I, I think I'm going to want to go back and look at some of the older morph cards to see if it could really comprise an entire archetype on its own, an entire two-color pair, or if instead it would just be better as augmenting a color pair or even multiple color pairs. Yeah, I think it'd be more fun even to do it as like we run a cycle of morph cards or maybe two cycles of morph cards and mm, they're just yeah. there to supplement those colors, but they they're just maybe they're just good cards. They could be our anchor cards for certain colors like you can just grab it if you're in that color and it doesn't matter. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I think this is one we'll have to look a bit more into before making a decision on. But sure. also, uh, we could use some audience feedback. I mean, <laughs> uh, if people have ideas about this, we'd love to hear them. Yeah. So up next, uh, I've got a, a bit of a nonsense one. I mentioned a bit ago talking about Twin. Well, this could kind of have Twin in it. I, I'll get to it in a second. So green-white. I was thinking, what do I love about green and white? What makes me love these colors? Because it, it is one of my top color combos, despite knowing that it's not always best for competitive play. I love elk, as I mentioned in one of my previous signups. Green-white elk has actually been a decently supported archetype in, in past sets. Uh, I think it was in was it Modern Horizons that actually had a bunch of really good elk, and it, they kind of comprised this ETB uh, synergy. So I was thinking for green-white, it could be something along the lines of green-white ETB triggers and, and blink almost. And uh, it, it would care about creatures entering the battlefield, triggering things um, that would buff other creatures. Not necessarily a go-wide strategy, but token makers would be a, a decent part of this. Something like a Selesnia Guildmage. And those that know Popper know that a little while ago there was a pretty popular combo deck uh twin not twin or anything but it was kind of like twin uh in presence of gond and midnight guard so if you put presence of gond on a creature that untaps when another creature comes in uh, presence of gond allows that creature to tap to make a creature so you tap make a creature it untaps the dude with the aura untap it make another creature repeat as many times as you want for infinite tokens and infinite etb triggers so that might be a way to sneak in our own little I guess, sorcery speed, uh, non-hasty twin combo. It definitely, definitely chaff. Is it if Popper's playing it? Uh, I mean, it's it's fallen out of Popper. I still have oh, my okay. deck playing around, but it hasn't seen Popper play in a long time. I mean, we could and argue like, that Popper is the chaff format, so... Oh, to totally, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Popper yeah. is where, like, where uh, random chaff cards have, have occasionally gone on to be all-stars. Yeah, it's it's a pretty popular format right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next up is Reanimator. Um, mm. Both of us have this on our list. It's yeah. it's just kind of fun to have graveyard interactions. I don't know that uh, there are exceptionally powerful Reanimator effects in in Chaffland, but <laughs> um, it does sound fun and in my experience in the past it has been pretty fun like just just being able to play things from your graveyard or interact with your graveyard and set up cool combos that way is pretty cool yeah for sure uh one of the other 
archetypes I had on my list that if we could make work would pair well with reanimator is dredge. Mm, um, they kind of, cool. they kind of go hand in hand, maybe in the sense that like, you know, like modern dredge doesn't, it does play a lot of actual dredge cards, like cards with the mechanic dredge, but, yeah. um, it has a lot of reanimation effect, uh, things going on as well. So, you know, we could maybe try to combo those together, do like a, um, maybe like a Grixis reanimator dredge type archetype. That'd be cool. I was actually thinking about reanimator as well. And I, when I was trying to think about what it could pair well with, um, reanimator loves fat creatures, just big, stupid, mm-hmm. like breaker of armies type, uh, things that are just going to attack and that are hard to kill. Maybe that they have some kind of evasion like trample or, um, I don't know. If, I don't think it ever got keyworded. I think there was a leak that it was going to get keyworded. Uh, can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Mm-hmm. Like towering or something. I forget what it was. Um, something like that. So I was thinking, what about green? Because if if we have some kind of big green fatties and we have ramp as an archetype in some way, and green usually is decent at ramping in some way, shape, or form, right? If we have green ramp uh, that could ramp into these like giant fat end creatures, maybe the reanimator deck would also occasionally want to pick up those same big fat end creatures uh, to use as the reanimation targets. So actually, one uh, reanimator archetype that stands out really well to me is M21. I think Obsessive Stitcher would be a perfect fit for this. Yeah, actually, um, it wouldn't be terrible. And uh, the... Ooh, I'm drawing a blank on, on the card. The... Um... Archfiend something or other. The one one that comes back as a five five. Oh, Archfiend's Vessel, yeah. That yeah, could that, be, that would also be great. That could fit here as well. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think there's enough room to work with the for with uh, the archetype. I don't know. Uh it's definitely explorable. And it sounds like we've already got a couple of good ideas, and that's just in the most recent set. So um we yeah, probably could sure. find a pretty chaffy reanimator deck to put together. Oh yeah, totally. Um, that actually, um, that kind of reminds me of w- one of the other archetypes that I had on my list. Go for it. So something that Reanimator needs, uh, a big aspect of it, is actually getting creatures into the graveyard. What about creatures that put themselves in the graveyards? So cycling. Now, cycling is one of my all-time favorite limited mechanics. A lot of people that drafted Ikoria will know it pretty well because it was, you know, way in on cycling. Ikoria had a million things going on <laughs> between Morph and Companions and all the, that nonsense. But uh, cycling got a little overlooked. Now, it doesn't always play out like Zenith Flare. I'm not saying we want a Zenith Flare type effect in our, our Chaff Cube. But um, creatures that have cycling on them end up being very versatile, where sometimes you just don't need them for a while and then. Uh, you cycle them away in the early game. They just come back. Uh, well, you could reanimate them if you wanted to. And you could buy them back with different ways to buy back cycled cards. Or you could just hold on to them when you draw them later in the game and just cast them on curve. Yeah. You can't really go wrong with cycling creatures. I mean, okay, you can kind of go wrong. I think they almost went wrong with it in Ikoria. It was a bit too powerful. And especially when you consider like bot drafting and stuff, it's just like way too powerful. But yeah, um, it doesn't hurt to have cycling cards sprinkled in as long as you're tracking. I think the big issue with Ikoria was just that there were too many efficient cyclers. Like one mana cyclers mm-hmm. are just bad in general. Especially when it's generic mana. Right, yeah. right. Um, but- That's what allowed those Zenith Flare-esque 
and the red white oppressive deck with uh Janeth Healer and uh Janeth Stinger to really kind of take over the format. Exactly. And the last arc or the last format, if I recall correctly, that had cycling was Amonkhet, actually. Um our yeah, station Amonkhet. Yeah. So we're we'll getting That's another right. taste of that and in my opinion, a, a a more tasteful taste of that, if you will, uh, <laughs> in in a week or so with Omnicat Remastered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the card that immediately came to my mind is as the type of cycling creature I'd love to include in this uh, this chaff is something like a striped river winder. So for those that didn't play back then, this is six and a blue for a five five hex proof, and it has cycling for a blue. So if you have this in your opening hand, you're like, all right, I'm just going to cycle it away. If you have this you say you draw it turn five or six. This format kind of allows you to go bigger. Uh, this wasn't a great card in the format, but you could definitely cast it. Um, if you draw this turn five or six, you're just like, all right, I'm going to slam a 5-5 five, five Hexproof. That's a threat for my opponent to have to deal with. This is exactly the kind of thing that I would consider putting in, and this would actually fit pretty well into the reanimator archetype, too. Agreed. There's also that one card from that set um, that allows you to get back all, of this, all the cards you cycled this turn. I can't remember what it's called, but... Um, Ooh, Shadow of the Grave, I think it was, yeah. Some, yeah, something like that. Um, that would fit well with the reanimator thing, too. Uh, it wouldn't get back everything, but it, it kind of fits the theme. Um, yeah, of, of graveyard value, at least. Yeah, you know, I actually just had a thought, uh, which we don't have in our show notes here, but um, yeah. I had a thought about a cool... like We were talking about those twin-style, like maybe a couple of those two-card combo type decks i would yeah, love to see if we could get big butts de- dot deck in this in this cube uh one of my for those who don't i mean pretty much everybody doesn't know except you i guess um <laughs> one of my first ever like brainchild standard decks was um back in i think it was dragons of Tar tarkir era and I yeah. built this beautiful like 40 dollar standard deck that just ran a bunch of zero x's that were massive and assault formation and it was actually like it could kill on turn three it was ridiculous i remember i remember losing to that deck when we were in class and like supposed to be doing work (laughs) yeah but that whole deck is chaff apart from like dual lands the whole entire deck was chaff yeah that that's pretty true and i i think we could consider assault formation see it is a pretty unique effect but the uniqueness of that effect has gone down recently. They, they yeah, printed they printed another stuff, one. Uh, uh, th- what is it? Is it like high high alert? Is that yep, it? Yep. Um, and also Arcades, uh, True. The, the dragon, recently. Uh, this is a... now It's starting to become a less common effect. And occasionally there's, there are cards that say like... Like, I don't know, there might be like an aura that... Uh, like let's a creature attack if, even if it has defender and it deals combat damage equal to its toughness instead that butts effect is starting to get more common yeah we can definitely consider this i would love to squeeze that in there somewhere i don't know how it fits with the other archetypes we have because the, the colors for that archetype are green white and blue um so we'd have to try to shiftly kind of sneakily slot it in there but I, I think we can make it work yeah yeah what else have you got on your list? So I'm a degenerate, for those who don't know. I love control <laughs> decks, and I love decks that don't let my opponent play the game. So 
two of the yep you it, ben's highlighting it in our show notes right now two of the archetypes i have selected uh that i would love to have in this cube are ponza and mill um yeah okay <laughs> for those who don't know ponza is basically land destruction um the whole deck just focuses on destroying your opponent's lands so they can't play cards uh, I would love to see that, and Mill is my kind of my baby. I love Mill decks, and um, I love bad Mill decks, and I love great Mill decks, <laughs> and I love any. And now Mill is a keyword. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to uh, get all like all them retroactively changed to say Mill, so we can have the proper terminology in our in our cube. Yeah. So I, they're two completely different archetypes, but um, I mentioned them both because they're kind of degenerate. Uh, Ponza can be pretty frustrating to play against, and maybe it wouldn't actually be healthy for the cube. Um, but I could try it, you know. Yeah, we honestly we could, and then if it doesn't work, we would get rid of it. Um, Plus, um, you know what's really chaffy? You know how like once a set they'll they'll print it's either like a red four drop sorcery or like a green four drop sorcery. Yes, yeah, and it'll like. Destroy target land, destroy target artifact, destroy target enchantment, or some some common or like creatures without flying can't block, or or it'll have some nonsense word on it that'll you'll lose to it once in a format and then forget it. You ever saw it? Yeah, and honestly, like I mean, those who are familiar with Ponza are probably thinking about modern Ponza, which is actually a deck that's. De- I mean, I don't know the modern scene right now, but it has been decent throughout modern's history, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and that deck can be annoying to play against. But here you're playing all the bad Ponza cards, the cards that don't make the cut in in constructed formats. So it might actually be hilarious. It might just be able to lock your opponent. Let's say you got like one or two ramp things. Uh, Ponza cards pair really well with green dorks, uh, like Arbor Elf and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you get you start Ponzaing your opponent turn three or three or four, maybe usually. Your opponent might just be locked at two to three lands for the rest of the game, which, you know, they, they can do something with. So maybe it won't be that oppressive. It'll really I, depend I on the speed of the, the cube. Like if, if the oh, cube yeah, is a yeah. mid-range control or slanted cube with like the occasional aggro deck that works, Ponza will probably be really, really annoying. Um, I have a feeling that's where we're going with this. A lot of these architects so too. Like a little more, they want a little more oomph. And the only really aggressive thing we've had is uh, red-white equipment. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I don't know. Maybe the the other option, if we wanted to have the Ponza effect in the cube, is to do like a wildfire style uh, archetype. For those who don't know what wildfire is, basically it's Ponza, but it's two sided. So you destroy your lands, and you also destroy your opponent's lands. Kills a lot of the creatures on board too. I don't right, know if we can do wildfire or like burning of uh, Zinji. Is that what it is? Um, yeah. I don't know if we. Can- of these uh chaff or not though well i i'm just saying the phrase wildfire as as a means to drum up the whole archetype but there are a number of chaffy cards that just say like you know destroy all lands or uh you know destroy one land of yours and one land of your opponents or something like that we could we could maybe do that but like try to make it a little bit more two-sided rather than like one-sided um Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah this could be interesting all right, so on the mill front, Sphinx's tutelage, Teferi's tutelage. Oh man, the tutelage deck—that sounds like a groan. But as long as we include a lot of like enchantment, like incidental enchantment hate, then maybe this could survive health- healthily. 
Yeah, I mean, the other option is we make a 360-card Persistent Petitioner deck, uh, cube. That, that would work, too. <laughs> it's just every single... It, kind of... It's still technically singleton because you can include more than uh, uh, four copies of that thing, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. So I mean, it wouldn't be it. a singleton cube, so I, I don't think that actually would work, but... Well, no, it gets around the singleton rule. That's the point. <laughs> well, it gets around it gets around the 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 multiple copy rule, but that doesn't matter in draft in the first place. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. singleton means there's only one of every card in the cube itself. So. All right. My joke was really bad. <laughs> I, I accept. Um, yeah, I would I would love to have mill, but it, so so where does mill fit in with the colors? Clearly blue, right? It, it has to be blue. It's almost it's almost mono blue. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, blue black occasionally gets decent mill uh, stuff, but I know like glimpse the unthinkable. Uh, that that's a blue black card. Yeah, there is a blue black. I mean, even even in modern, there's a blue black mill deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we could branch it into blue black, but it's mostly blue. Hmm. I was just thinking. Um. <laughs> I was thinking about how far we can put chaff. You know, we, we didn't really talk about this in our chaff episode, but what's like the most broken, like mythic or, or something or rare that we could still say is chaff? Because if we stick to our definition, which is like it, it, it has to be a pretty common effect um, and a pretty low level of interest by the player base, like no one wants it for or needs it for constructed or anything. Mm-hmm. We say something like, is it, is it Phoenix, God of Deception? That, that mills yeah and doesn't he mill based on toughness i believe that is correct do you do you see where i'm going with this fatty mill fatty mill <laughs> big butt mill maybe yeah, uh, cross pollination if i've ever seen it i think in general the at least the version of the deck that i'm thinking of the uh the the big butts deck um is relatively aggressive but mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which which Phanax wouldn't really fit into, um, but that'd be a second way to build it, I guess. And and black really doesn't fit that either too well. But uh, really, the only reason the only reason the Bant colors are like the uh, big butt colors is because Assault Formation and High Alert are in the Bant colors. So you have to mm-hmm. include those colors to get those enchantments. But now, yeah. like you said, there are a lot more of those like deals damage equal to toughness instead of power effects. So maybe maybe we should be looking at it in a broader spectrum. Yeah, we, we can consider it for sure. Okay, we are nearing the hour mark. So are there any that you really want to get in before we uh, call it off here for this episode? Um, I think I only had... I had two other ideas. I'm sure you won't be too object to a blue-red spells matter-esque thing, will you? Oh, of course not. I'd love it. Because hear me out. Blue-red storm. Everyone that's ever drafted a a cube in Magic Online has seen storm cards, and they're objectively chaff. Stuff like Mana Morphos and like... Well, uh, so, I mean, we, we have to actually think about this, though. Because mm-hmm. Modern Storm has been a very popular deck for a very long time, and it runs all of the better Storm cards, like Metamorphose and other things of that nature. Um, and they're relatively unique effects most of the time. So, I don't yeah. know. Can we build Chaff? I mean, the cards, a lot of, a lot of the cards that say Storm on them are bad. 
And okay, don't make that joke. I was thinking. I was thinking weather the storm as a storm card. The the one from a uh, Horizons one in a green instant game three life with storm. Oh my god, that'd be pretty fun. That's now that's storm. <laughs> right. So that's the thing. We would need to find enough chaff cards that say storm on them. Enough of the storm payoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I don't even know if that, I mean, like, obviously it's chaff, but I, do you even want to play that in a chaff cube? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think storm, well, a lot of the keys for storm decks are you need card draw, mana, and then a storm payoff. Uh, unless you're LSV, in which case you don't need the third one. You just you don't just, have a win condition. You just win. I, I think I blows my mind with storm. Anyway, um, I think that something like turnabout or high tide i don't know if we could call that chaff um right maybe something like, like conventional mana doublers um there's a lot of like enchantments uh that'll double the the mana when you tap it on for, for both players uh kind of like group hug commander cards that i would consider chaff that could allow a storm player to go off but probably not the turn they play it so maybe it'd be a like a bad slow storm deck yeah, I mean, it's going to be, be tough. Yeah, yeah like, blue-red... Because Storm is just such a, a, a defined thing. Like, the, the person that's in Storm will take it, will take Storm cards highly, and then the people that aren't just don't care about them at all. And maybe that is a level of, like, distinction that we don't want in this cube, you know? Well, what we could do is build. Uh, we could we could have blue red spells matter as a de- as like an, a definitive archetype with a sprinkling of s- cards that say storm on them that mm-hmm. fit the, that also fit into those decks, so they can become storm decks if you really try to build them that way. But you don't have yeah, to, okay. like storm itself is not an actual archetype in the cube. Yeah, I, I think that'd be good. I'll I'll leave the blue red spells to you. That's that's more your wheelhouse, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do enjoy myself some spells. The only other... It's not really an archetype, but I had two notes of of things that I'd be interested in, in putting in somehow. So I think once we have a better idea of what the cube looks like, I want to kind of go back through chaff history, I want to say, and find some of my favorite like pet commons and uncommons from different draft formats. Things that would just kind of be fun to have in there. I, I know we said we wanted to put in some pet cards, like, I don't know, lower scale quaddle for you. But one thing that I always loved was uh, Meld from um, the, the second Indistrad chunk when Eldrazi started showing up everywhere. Graph Rats and Midnight Scavengers. Oh, don't hold out on me. I know you're really thinking about Bruna and Gazella. Well, I mean, I. That's not chaff, though. Those are all standard play. Or maybe it was just me forcing them to be standard played in my standard deck. I don't know if anyone else tried that. Um, or like Handware, the Writhing Township, or, or nonsense like that. Meld was a sweet mechanic. It's, it only exists on, what, like six cards in the history of the game? And yeah. the common one is definitely bad enough. <laughs> I actually tried playing it in Popper once. Uh, I played it at a Popper tournament. It did okay. Uh, turns out, like, Playing a two mana two one and a five mana three three with like regrow on it, 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 they don't always work out too well. But if you do get Meld to go off, it is very sweet. Yeah, I think they're all chaffy enough. Like I mean, again, they're they're 
they're like inversely chaff, you know, based on your your curve that you put forward in our in our draft chaff episode. Yeah. Um, they're incredibly unique. As you said, there are maybe six cards in the entire game ever that have that keyword on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all pretty bad and nobody wants them. So, so I think for this cube in particular, I would want to lean more towards the nobody wants them side. Me too. Because I think... Um, yeah, but based on our definition of chaff, which I do kind of want to stick to, uh, I-, I think it'll be fine if we skirt the rules on uniqueness of effects when the uniqueness of the effect is something that's just dumb and bad and people don't want it anyway. If the uniqueness of the effect outweighs drastically in coolness uh, how like bad it is in, in other ways and how, um, uh, how how playable it is in other formats, I think that's fine. I agree. Uh, and kind of in the same line, can we put Sprout Swarm in this? Um, hmm. For uh, for those that don't know this, th- this card was the bane of the limited format it was in. What, what was this? Was it, was it Shards? Was it a Shards one? I don't know. It was before I started playing. But the card is one of the green instant. Put a 1-1 Sapperling into play. But it has Convoke. And it has buyback three. So this is like kind of like five mana you can convoke, make a one one, card goes back to hand. So um, it, it spirals out of control absurdly quickly. But I was thinking of like other unique limited effects like this, um, or other like key archetype, or like the, the, the all timers of limited, and thinking about which ones were commons that never really saw play anywhere else. Another one that comes to mind is uh, Spider Spawning. Well, Spider Spawning is an exception, though, because when that format came back online and the people were actually able to solve the format, it's like you can't draft that deck anymore. That's like, I mean, I guess it's chaff from that perspective because it's not yeah. ever played in, in Constructed. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely chaff. Yeah, I, I think I tend to conflate like chaff with amazing in draft. And I'm like, it's amazing in draft, it can't be chaff, but that's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I think we'll need to think more about like how exactly we want, we want the chaff represented in this. But um, yeah, anyway, besides all this, we've got a lot to think about and a lot to you know ask viewers about if they're interested in giving us feedback. But the one thing I know we were both interested in was wedges or, or three-color support. So what were you thinking we could do along these lines? Well, I mean, Cons of Tarkir was a great example of this. It was a fantastic format, and it also was able to support wedges. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'd need to get creative about our lands because most of the chaffy dual lands are are relatively bad, um, and yeah. wedges yeah. need the ability to support three-color decks, obviously. Uh, so we'd either need some really chaffy rocks or, or lands or both, or we need to get really creative about how we can make them work. But I think having more than just the the typical two color pairs will be cool because if there's support for three color combos, then there are, you know, exponentially more decks that you can build. Yeah, actually, I just had an idea. What about the, um, the new lands from Jumpstart? The ones that come in tapped and they're like monocolored, but when they come in, you name a second color and then they can then tap for that color too. That could totally support a three color archetype. Yeah, that's an idea for sure. And maybe the game lands too, depending on like how how much we're feeling it. Yeah, I think the game lands would work. We're gonna need some duels anyway, 
and lands are lands, so they're gonna see play in just about anything. But there are there are bad versions of dual lands. We can find the the unwanted ones. Oh yeah, I, I actually I do tend to enjoy formats where there's some sort of common dual land. Ooh, maybe we'll have a gates archetype. That would be sweet. Uh, it could happen. I mean, it would be kind of fun if there was a five-color deck. Five-color gates? Maze's End? Oh, can we put Maze's End in here? <laughs> I know you'd love it. I mean, it is kind of your pet, one of your pet cards, so maybe we could make it work. Um, let's let's do a quick recap, and then we'll, we'll try to cap this episode off. Um, sure this is a little bit more open-ended uh, for the audience. If this is your first episode uh, of Draft Chaff, maybe go check out some of the other ones. This is kind of just us rambling about our thoughts on this new cube we're building. Uh, we figured we'd bring you all along for the ride. Um, with yeah, a no, little actually, bit of information. Yeah. We were just going to like have a phone call and talk about this, and then we were just like, well, we may as well just record it and put it on the podcast instead for, <laughs> for other people to, to share and, and get feedback on. Yeah, so if you're interested in, in contributing to the Cube, by all means, please uh, tweet at us at DraftChaffPod or uh, directly at myself at Um And you can also contact Ben at Betafish1. Um, otherwise, you can contact the podcast at DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. And once again, if Patreon is your thing and you're interested in supporting us, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash DraftChaffPod. Um Real quick, before we completely leave, let's do a quick recap. We have some kind of uh, artifact sub-theme, probably a red-white equipment artifacts type deck. Uh, We both agreed on Reanimator as some form of archetype for this format as well, potentially paired with Cycling. Uh, A a red-blue Spells Matter deck of some sort, uh, potentially with some Storm cards thrown in. Uh, We talked about Sprinkling Morph into the uh, the format as well. Um, and I think that's pretty much where we got the green, white blink elk deck could also be a thing as well. And Mm -hmm. wedges. Um, so those are kind of, that's where our, our mindset is at the moment. We obviously didn't cover every possible archetype we could have put in. And we also didn't cover every color, um, in any, in real detail. But, um, I think this is a good foundation for us to get started and, um, we can start getting, getting some cards together. Yeah. Um, like we were kind of saying, this is just us throwing our ideas out there because we want to get feedback from everyone else too. But uh, if you have, that's right, you, I'm talking to you through your headphones, you, the listener, if you've built a cube before or have experience playing with a, a, a cube in your friend group or anything like that, please let us know what you think and let us know how you built yours or what experience you have. Because like I said, we're new to this and feedback from the community is our highest uh, importance for us. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to keep working on this. Yeah, it's going to be a cool project um, that should keep us busy for quite a while. Uh, and yeah, and sure. eventually we'll, we'll get it. Maybe we can, you know, down the line, maybe for our like 50th episode or something, we can do a giveaway of the entire cube if we have it done by then. That would be pretty cool. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, I'm in for that. Well, we'll see how that goes. For now, that's it from us. Uh, be sure to check us out next week for our format breakdown on Ar- Amonkhet Remastered. That's going to be a blast. And, uh, back to the normal, uh, typical draft style, uh, episodes. So, uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya. So, uh, I've got a bit of an idea for a sign off this week. Okay. So I'm reading a book. Uh Oh, (laughs) we're already off to a bad start. Yeah. I don't do that very often. I'm, I'm usually more of a 
a visual or auditory media type guy. But I'm reading a book for fun for the first time in a long time. Uh, it's Dune by oh, good Frank on you. Herbert. Do you know it? I, I know of it. I, I know many, 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 many people have it in their top 10 list, and I've never read it myself, but uh, it's on my list. I, I have a rather extensive list of books that I uh, have been churning through. Uh, it's on there. Mm-hmm. I do think you'd really like it. Uh, fantastic world building, and it, sometimes it gets it's, it's so dense with world building that you actually have to flip to the glossary of terms in the back of the book and start looking up like, man what is the what is this thing who are these people what was this guy's name again but it's all there because you know See, they, they knew i it's i'm glad you told me that because if i ended up buying it i would probably have done so on uh in a digital medium and trying to flip back and forth on a kindle to that kind of thing would be super annoying so now i know if, if i'm ever gonna pick it up it'll be in paper oh yeah for, for sure and like i mentioned um it's got some really fantastic world building, some cool characters. Apparently, it's going to be made into a movie soon with mm-hmm. like Timothy Chalamet and Jason Momoa and I think Zendaya too. So that'll be good, I'm sure. But uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this for the sign-off is because we've actually got Amonkhet Remastered coming up. And there's one thing that both of these have in common. Can you take a guess as to what a book called Dune and Amonkhet Remastered would have in common? Beautiful, lush forests. <laughs> no, uh, deserts. Well, uh, deserts. Actually, yes. And more specifically, there's a creature that both of these have in common. It's oh, actually... Sandworm. Sandworm! Yes. Yes, sandworms. They both have sandworms. So uh, <laughs> I will say that I- I'm reading this with some friends. Okay. And every time we, we call to talk about it, I, I literally pulled up a few magic cards. I, I showed them greater sandworm and sandworm convergence because they were unfamiliar. They, they're, they don't always read fantasy. And I was like, look, this is what a sandworm is. Trust me, I know this one. It's different <laughs> than like a W-Y-R-M and different than a W-O-R-M. Oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, my, my absurdly niche knowledge of sandworms finally paid off. That's awesome. I Yeah, those are pet cards for me too. Sandworm convergence is really awesome. Um, you know, if you're into that like style of you know, incredible world building and stuff. I would recommend checking out the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Um, mm, yeah. If you haven't already, it's easily my favorite series of books ever. And I started them in January. They're admittedly, they're time consuming. Uh, they're the shortest one is more than 1200 pages. Um, and all th- there are three of them currently. Uh, they get longer. Each one is longer. So I think the third one is at like almost 1400 pages. Um, so they're very long, but the world building is phenomenal. It's fantasy in a way that like I've never seen fantasy done before. Um, and the fourth book comes out in uh, November, November. Um, but apparently, apparently, okay. So, so think about this. 1200 pages per book let's just say that's on the low end but let's say an average of 1200 pages per book yeah there are three of them the fourth one comes out in november how many do you think are in the series total like how many how many do you think brandon sanderson has planned uh i he's only about to do the fourth maybe like maybe six or seven he has 10 of these books planned Jeez, that Ten. that guy. Plus, he, he, I know for a fact he's done other series too. Because I read another one of his series when I was really young. Um, I want to say it was 
the Alcatraz series. So I know he's a good writer. Um, yeah, actually, he's, he's, he's really uh, good. He's a fan of magic too. I know he he pops and streams sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He uh, I I saw an interview with him and he basically said that this this series is like his seminal work. Like he has put off writing it for so long because he didn't think he was a good enough writer to actually accomplish what he had in his head. Wow. Um, and now he's doing it. So uh, I'm super pumped and it's really, really awesome. Uh, the world building, the character building, everything is phenomenal. And you'll read something, some little minor detail, but like it's a big enough detail that you remember it, but small enough that it doesn't play a part in the story. And then mm-hmm. two books later, you're like, oh wait like he'll bring it back and it's just like oh my goodness yeah anyway read more books (laughs) books are cool oh i was saying that to the audience but yeah you too oh (laughs) i just i just outed myself (laughs) 